don't know, I just think there's a lot of people in true crime that just jerk off the fucking hostel and won't tell nobody. But they're like, oh, you, you kind of giggled at the wrong time. Uh, I, uh, I jerk off to, I don't jerk anything, but to a Serbian film. To a Serbian film? Serbian I don't film. believe you did that. I Hi, did. this is the Misery Machine. Hey! It's Ruby and Oh, God. Today, we are doing the Otaku Murderer, or also known as the Little Girl Murderer, or as Dracula, or the Rat Man. These are all things that he has been called. But first, but first, but first we have reviews. reviews. First one, and again, thank you to everybody that left us five-star rating on uh, Apple Podcasts and le- left us a written review. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that, and if you want to leave us a five-star review and a written review, I will shout you out and read your review. And we'll love you forever. Yes, we will be very appreciative, and you will get your choice of fist bump, high five, or hug if you see us. We're very good at all three. What about a fisting? A fisting. I mean, I have not done that before, but I bet I could be decent at it. Deesh. You have very slender, beautiful hands. I have have big hands. Everybody tells me my hands are big, but yet I can barely fit into a medium glove. But they're just like, you got basketball player hands. Did you ever play basketball? And I'm just like... I mean, they're very long. I I got long boy hands. Except, like, look at mine. They're like little, little hobbit hands. Got hobbit hands. Yeah. It depends on what you want. You can get my basketball player fist, my alleged basketball player fist, my basketball adjacent fist, or you can get Yergi's Hobbit fist. Hobbit adjacent? Hobbit adjacent fist. So yeah, that's. I guess that can be one of the rewards for giving a, giving a good review, but I would rather just give you a hug. Anyways, reviews. This podcast is an instant subscribe. Great audio quality, and they are giving you all the details. I am here for it. Go subscribe now. This is D Brown from Hoosier Homicide. Shouts to Hoosier Homicide. I hope I said that correct. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I, I don't know. I know that's like a Canadian word, right? Absolutely is not. It's not? Where's it from? The Hoosier State. What is that? From Indiana. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I knew yes. one person from Milford, Indiana, and they told me that everybody there wore belt buckles that were as big as dinner plates. I don't know if that's true, but, you know, I don't know. I also I'm also i not an expert in Indiana. I also heard there's a lot of corn there. I, I can't remember that. And I also remember him always complaining that Indiana was a place where you'd wake up in the morning, you'd set your car to frost, but then you'd have the AC on in the afternoon. That, I believe that. That could be anywhere in the Midwest. Yeah. Mayor Pete is from Indiana. Mayo Pete. Mayonnaise Pete. Yep. Yep. You and your your big donor money. No, I'll get out of here. But anyway, fuck Mayor Pete. Anyways. Anyways. Next one. Go Bernie. Go Bernie. If you like true crime mixed in with some humor like I do, you should give these guys a listen. The hosts are hilarious and super knowledgeable on the topics they cover. This pod is a lot of fun, and you won't regret giving it a listen. I am Bernie Sanders. You should fucking vote for me. And this is from Kiki Bosch. Thank you so much for the for the you get me Bernie on the brain. Thank you so much for the review. <laughs> and the last one, the misery machine has found the perfect mix between true crime and comedy. I, I didn't think I was that funny. So thank you. The hosts have such an amazing connection and they're both hilarious together. And he's giving you credit too. I know. There's such a variety of cases too. And you can see how much research goes into each episode from morbidology. And Morbidology is also a true crime podcast that it has weekly episodes and they have their own site, morbidology.com, that you should check out. Absolutely. But thank you for the review. Thank you. Okay, now, so his name is Sutomu Miyazaki, also known as the, probably most commonly known as the otaku murderer or rat man. 
I would say. No he, relation to Hayao Miyazaki uh, yes. of Studio Ghibli fame. Well, is, I is looked. It Gib- I thought it was Ghibli. Is it Ghibli? Plus, Miyazaki is a very common and it's a Japanese surname. Yes, it, it is. Yeah. Miyazaki, she, uh, it's in Kyushu, which is the southern island, if my memory serves. Yes. But yes, so Sutomu Miyazaki was a Japanese serial killer, cannibal, child rapist, necrophile. He abducted and murdered four young girls, sexually molested their corpses in the Saitama and Tokyo prefectures between August 1988 and June 1989. His crimes included not only kidnapping, murder, and necrophilia, but also vampirism and the preservation of body parts as trophies. So we haven't really touched on child victims yet. So just a nice little warning to y'all of what you're about to get into. Again, this is not something that we try to glorify. This is obviously... I mean, uh, we did a little bit at one point, not glorified it, but we've gotten to child victims and it always seems like it's some sort of vampire character when we do it. Yeah, it always seems to be. Like but, Peter uh, Curtin. Like Peter Curtin. Did Peter Curtin kill kids? Yeah, he killed a couple little girls. Did he? Cur- yeah, no, you're right. He did kill a couple. I mean, he did kill mostly women anyways, but yeah, he did kill a couple uh, young girls and, and older women, but Miyazaki here his exclusively age four to seven yeah exclusively young girls so Miyazaki was born premature and had a birth defect where his hand joints were fused together preventing him from being able to bend his wrist upwards so do you have like the Montgomery Burns hands so sort of in pictures that I've seen online they look like rat hands not that I have a problem with rat hands because I've kept rats like I don't have any currently but I've kept them for years and I think rat hands are very cute but does it look like he has he has a claw like Mikhail Tal or something like that? No, but they're you know I'll add some pictures in the slideshow for YouTube so the viewers can kind of check out this hand situation. Okay. So due to his deformity, he was ostracized when he attended Itsukaishi. Itsuk- oh, good. Thank you. Elementary school and consequently kept to himself. He attended Maidai Nakano High School in Nakano, Tokyo and was a star student until his grades dropped dramatically. He was ranked 40 out of 56 in his class and did not receive the customary admission to Meiji University. Instead of studying English and becoming a teacher as he originally intended, he attended a low local junior college and studied to become a photo technician. In the mid-1980s, Miyazaki moved back into his parents' house near his father's print shop, sharing a room with his elder sister. Although Miyazaki's family was highly influential in Itsukaichi, where his father owned a newspaper, Miyazaki expressed no desire to take over his father's job. After his arrest, Miyazaki would say that what he really craved, quote, was being listened to about his problems, end quote, but believed that his parents, more worried about the material than the sentimental quote would not have heard him he would have been ignored end quote in the same confession he said that by this period in his life he had begun to consider suicide i mean this is a common thing in japanese society where people aren't feel like they're not able to talk about their problems and Mm -hmm. don't feel like they have a strong connection with their family in that kind of a sense but from what i understand that his parents even for japanese parents were quite distant with him emotionally in general it seems like and i don't want to generalize but it seems like like there's a lot of emotional distance anyway culturally yes i was watching queer eye japan and it even seemed like partners were just so emotionally distant people who had lived together for years yeah there was this phenomena that happened people just weren't dating anymore and people were just working long hours and people weren't interested in courtship in general they found that their birth rates were going down 
which I think has since recovered, but it's not something that I've looked into in a long time. But Miyazaki was rejected by his two younger sisters and felt he only received support from his grandfather. In May 1988, his grandfather died. This served to deepen his depression and isolated him even further. In an attempt to retain something from him, Miyazaki ate part of his grandfather's ashes. A few weeks later, one of his sisters caught him while watching her take a shower. When she told him to leave, Miyazaki attacked her. When his mother learned of the incident and demanded that he spend more time working and less time with his videos, he attacked her as well. So one thing that this leaves out... Oh yes, I was hoping we'd get there. ...really needs to be mentioned, his mother is not his actual mother. He has three sisters, two younger and one older. His mother is actually his elder sister, whom his father impregnated this is probably the reason why he was deformed too and part of the reason why his parents were were distant because the time this is what i've been told okay i don't know this firsthand this is what i've been told by other people abortion is not a very common thing in japan and and if you do it it's considered to bring be shameful and bring shame on your family same thing with orphanages but those are more accepted so that's why they have a lot of kids in orphanages what i assume happened is that she got pregnant and they just brought the baby to term even though they didn't want to and so they resented him yes that is a very important detail that needs to be mentioned before we go any further yeah and i think all of that just created the perfect storm of fuckery yeah absolutely especially since his parents i think might have had some sort of mental illness and just the whole shebang together created this individual but yes So his murders. Yes. So between August 1988 and June 1989, back when little Yergi was a little girl, Mm -hmm. Miyazaki mutilated and killed four girls between the ages of four and seven and sexually molested their corpses. He drank the blood of one victim and ate parts of her hand. I think that was one of the later ones. Yes. These crimes, which prior to Miyazaki's apprehension were named the Little Girl Murders and later the Tokyo Saitama Serial Kidnapping Murders of Little Girls. Yeah, and this shocked this prefecture because Japan in general, especially Saitama, had very few crimes against children. So it's quite common. I mean, they have a, a culture of people who work late. So there's a lot of latchkey kids and kids can just go walk to the playground by themselves and do what they want because there's just not a lot of fear and danger around kidnappings or stranger danger like we talked about here with Otis Tool. Right. So during the day, Miyazaki was by all accounts a mild-mannered individual. Outside of work, he randomly selected children to kill. He wrote to the families of the victims, sending them letters recalling the details of his murders. Police found that the families of the victims had something else in common. They all received silent nuisance phone number calls, so basically Basically, he'd just ring them up and like breathe heavily like a creep into the receiver. If they did not answer the phone, he would call repeatedly over and over and over again and let it ring like for 20 minutes. Yeah. And he never mentioned why he did this. But yeah, that was something he did to all four victims. On August 22nd, 1988, one day after Miyazaki's 26th birthday, Marie Kono, a four-year-old girl, vanished while playing at a friend's house. After failed attempts to find her... Kano's father contacted the police. 
Miyazaki had led Kano into his black Nissan Langley and abducted her. He drove westward of Tokyo and parked the car under a bridge in a wooded area. There he sat alongside the girl for a half hour before murdering her. He then engaged in sexual acts with the corpse and left her corpse in the hills near his home. He took her clothes with him and departed. After allowing her corpse to decompose for a while, he returned later to remove the hands and feet which he kept in his closet. These were recovered upon his arrest. He charred her remaining bones in his furnace, ground them into a powder, and sent them to her family in a box along with several of her teeth. Photos of her clothes and a postcard which read, Mari, cremated, bones, investigate, prove. So he used the word prove and not proof, which just almost just feels like he was begging to be caught or wanted to be caught at this period of time. It all just sounds rather creepy. It is. It, it seems is. like something from some sort of manga. Yeah. Like yeah. God. Yeah. True. I wonder what he was reading from manga at the time. But anyways... So on October 3rd, 1988, Miyazaki was driving along a rural road when he spotted a seven-year-old Masami Yoshizawa. Yep, that's right. Nice. He offered her a ride and she accepted. He then drove into the same place he had killed Kano and killed Yoshizawa. He engaged in sexual acts with the corpse and took the girl's clothes with him when he departed. On December 12th, 1988, four-year-old Erika Namba was returning home from a friend's house when Miyazaki kidnapped her, forcing her into his car. He drove to a parking lot in Naguri, Saitama, forced her to remove her clothes in the back seat and began to take pictures of her. After killing her by strangulation, I believe. I believe all these... Yeah, uh, they're all strangulation. He killed them by strangulation. (laughs) After strangling her, he tied her hands and feet behind her back, covered her with a bed sheet, and placed the body in the car's trunk. He disposed of her clothes in a wooded area and left the body in an adjoining parking lot. Miyazaki then sent a postcard to her family, assembled using words cut out of magazines. Erica, cold, cough, throat, rest death so very much different than the first postcard the first postcard almost felt like a cry to be stopped like he wanted to be stopped and this seems more almost like he's bragging and glorifying like the pain she was in while she died that's just what it feels like to me anyways i think so on june 6 1989 miyazaki convinced five-year-old ayako nomoto I think that's right. Ayako. Yeah, Nomoto. All right. To allow him to take pictures of her. He then led her into the car and murdered her, I'm assuming yet again by strangulation. Yeah, when I looked these up, all four were strangulation. Yeah, I watched a few videos during work today, and that seemed pretty consistent. So he covered the corpse with a bedsheet and placed her in the trunk of his car, taking her body to the apartment. He spent the next two days engaging in sexual acts with the corpse, taking pictures of it in various positions and filming it. When the body began to decompose, Miyazaki dismembered it, abandoning the torso in a cemetery and the head in the nearby hills. He kept the hands, from which he drank blood and ate part of them. Fearing that the police would find the corpse, he returned to the cemetery and the hills two weeks later and carried the remains back to his apartment where he hid them in his closet. And this was the last murder before he was arrested. Yeah. So on July 23rd, 1989, Miyazaki saw two sisters playing in a park in... Hachioji. Thank you. Tokyo. He managed to separate the younger of the sisters from the older one who stayed behind. The sister's father arrived shortly after to find Miyazaki taking photographs of the young daughter, who he had convinced to strip nude. One thing they like leave out of the notes here that I found... He was nude himself. He was like butt-ass <laughs> naked and was trying to take like spread shots of this like little girl. Yeah. And so when the father attacked him, she, he was like pinning him and beating the shit out of him. But, you know, when you're naked, you're you're a little slippery, you're like I a little guess. Pig. Yeah. So he slipped.
slipped away and just ran away. So after fleeing, Miyazaki eventually returned to the park with his car back, where he was arrested by awaiting police responding to a call by the father. A search of Miyazaki's two-room bungalow produced 5,763 videotapes, some containing anime and slasher films. And funny, even though these were legal, it was later used as his reasoning for his crimes. <laughs> Interspersed among them was video footage and pictures of his victims. He was also reported to be a fan of horror films, of which he had a collection. Again, these were legal. Miyazaki, who retained a perpetually calm and collected demeanor during his trial, appeared indifferent to his capture. So now we have some panic here in, in Japan. So the media called him the otaku murderer. So the otaku, for those that don't know what that is, otaku are people, primarily Japanese people, though some people here in America and other countries will call themselves otaku, but originated in Japan. And otaku is somebody who really loves anime, the Japanese versions of cartoons, or manga, Japanese versions of comic books. So his killings caused a moral panic against otaku, accusing anime and horror films of making him a murderer. Various newspapers claimed that Miyazaki had retreated into a fantasy world of manga as a result of his neglected upbringing. Keigo Okonogi. Kaigo Okonogi. Sure, whatever. I'm not Japanese. I'm trying my best. <laughs> I, I'm probably not getting it completely. You're doing way better than I am. I, I'm better with the German names. I mean, I just watching a lot of Pride yeah. when I was younger. Pride never die. But anyways. So he was a psychoanalyst at Tokyo International University, told the Shukan Post that the danger of a whole generation of youth who do not even experience the most primary two or three way relationships between themselves and their mother and father who cannot make the transition from a fantasy world of video games and manga a reality is now extreme. These reports were disputed. In E.G.E. Otsuka's book on the crime, he argued that Miyazaki's collection of pornography was probably added or amended by a photographer in order to highlight his perversity. Another critic, Fumiya Ichihashi, suspected the released information was playing up to public stereotypes and fears about otaku, as the police knew that they would help cement a conviction through this. Sharon Kinsilla asserts that large collections of manga and videos were typical in the rooms of youth living in the Tokyo area at the time, that is true. The trial began on March 30th, 1990. Often talking nonsensically, Miyazaki blamed his actions on Ratman, an alter ego who Miyazaki claimed forced him to kill. He spent time during the trial drawing Ratman in cartoon form. Miyazaki's father refused to pay for his son's legal defense and committed suicide in 1994. I also believe that he said publicly that if he gave any money for his son's legal aid he would be dishonoring the families of the victims. Yes, he did. The seven-year trial focused on Miyazaki's mental state at the time of the murders. Under Japanese law, people of unsound minds are not subject to punishment, and the feeble-minded are entitled to reduce sentences. Three teams of court-appointed expert psychiatrists came to differing conclusions about Miyazaki's ability to tell right from wrong. Two teams determined him to be feeble-minded, one team concluding that he was schizophrenic, and the other that he had multiple personality disorder. A third team found that Although Miyazaki had a personality disorder, he was still capable of taking responsibility for his actions. So there was a Japanese killer, and I don't remember the name or a ton of the specifics right now, but he killed and ate people and has now since been released and does book tours. And I believe the reason why he did not get the death penalty or life in prison was because he was considered to be feeble-minded. Yes, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, but like, and I believe he killed more people than this guy did. 
did, but it, it's just it's just interesting seeing the differing of conclusions here. And that guy seemed far more sound of mind. Yeah, Miyazaki here is just is like, like friggin' out, losing. He's out it. to lunch. So the Tokyo District Court judged him aware of the magnitude and consequences of his crimes and therefore accountable. He was sentenced to death on April fourteenth, nineteen ninety seven. His death sentence was upheld by the Tokyo High Court on June twenty eighth, two thousand one, and the Supreme Court of Justice on January seventeenth, two thousand six. He described his serial murders as an act of benevolence. Child killer Kaioru Kobayashi described himself as the next Tsutomo Miyazaki or Mamoru Takuma. I think the latter might have been the one I'm talking about, but yeah. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not sure either, but Miyazaki stated, I will not allow him to call himself the second Tsutomo Miyazaki when he hasn't even undergone a psychiatric examination. Jesus. Minister of Justice Kunio Hatoyama signed his death warrant and Miyazaki was hanged on June 17, 2008. The unusual swiftness of his execution as well as its timing soon after the Akihabara massacre prompted questions regarding the two incidents. The Ministry of Justice had no comment. Ryuzo Saki said his trial was long and that he was not willing to criticize Hatoyama. What the Akihabara massacre was, this was in 2008, I believe, and somebody took a giant truck, drove it into a crowded shopping quarter, killed a few people, then got out after he wrecked the truck and just went on a stabbing spree, which are more common in places like Japan and China. So that was happening. That happened pretty recently around the sentencing. Yeah, so I think they just kind of wanted to like wash their hands of it. Yeah. Pretty much. And this is just an absolutely tragic thing. I haven't heard anything about uh, any of the families in the media or what happened to them or anything like that. And, you know, you don't hear of many serial killers that specifically go after children and especially happening in a place where child crime is not a very prevalent thing. I, I can't imagine the, the shock and then the pain it causes. Yeah, it was a very interesting one because even though this would have happened when I was a little kid, the trial and sentencing would have went on as I was growing up and into my adult life. And before I started looking for a case to do, I had never heard of this. Yeah, so he was executed almost 20 years after his last crime, I believe. Yeah, it was almost 20 years. It was a very long time, and I'm not sure why it was. I don't think he was appealing his sentence very much. And one thing that I do know about his last words were something like, finally, I can get you now, Batman. And his mother had been delivering him comic books as well as one of his sisters. I think his older sister, his actual mother. His actual mom, yeah. What was delivering him comic books in prison during his time of being in there. But yeah. And what I find interesting, too, is they still hang people in modern day Japan. That That's interesting. Yeah, it is. It is pretty interesting. You'd think where they're a little bit more high tech that they would... I don't know. Do something else? I I don't know. I mean... Have some sort of death machines or something? So this is a thing in Japan. They're big on tradition. And I would assume that that has was a tradition for a long period of time. I'm curious now when the last time they executed by beheading as that was the traditional form of execution back then. And, and we took a little break to look. And in 1873, the methods of execution were restricted in Japan to beheading and hanging. However, I don't know when the last time somebody was executed by beheading. I know that they used to execute POWs during World War II, and I don't know if after World War II beheading was outlawed, but it seems what I'm reading right now is that the only method of execution in Japan currently is by hanging. Yeah, long drop hanging. Yeah, long drop, so that way the neck snaps. 
It's very interesting. I would have never guessed. Yeah, me neither. So we never even talked about anime. No, I don't know what he was into, but what we were into. Or are into. Or are into. I don't know. I haven't watched. I don't watch much TV or Netflix or anything like that. I'm very much an interactive person. I mean, occasionally I'll listen to podcasts while I'm working or music, but it's hard for me to sit down and put my effort into something. But when I was younger, it was a little bit easier. And I feel like it was almost more accessible. Like when I, when all I had to do was either play video games or, or go online because I couldn't leave my house when I was younger, I would just watch anime if I could get a hold of it. But for some reason, my parents thought that anime was like cartoon porn, which, you know, if <laughs> that, that would be kind of a understandable thing to think. But the problem is the internet was so young then, I didn't know how they'd know that. But I was always trying to rent anime from our local Sounds Easy video. And you're just like, I don't know if this is suitable for kids your age. I'm, I'm like 14. And I always tried to rent Rama one half. And finally, they, they let me. And yeah, they show tits in it sometimes. But it was this lighthearted thing. I don't know. It was it would remind me very much of ch- childhood. Again, the whole escapism thing yeah. uh, with anime, which is why I think a lot of people turn to anime. And a lot of my friends around that time were watching the, I don't know how to describe them, like Love Hina and Fruits Basket were these like slice of life, like romantic comedies. And I'm, I'm looking back, my friends were all kind of dude bro-ish. So I'm surprised they liked that sort of shit then when i got older because i never really liked that but i was more into like cowboy bebop and like trigun and shit like that and uh, neon genesis evangelion that was the shit i was into while i was really young it was the studio ghibli stuff and i didn't even know it was from like japan at the time like yeah i remember watching kiki's <laughs> delivery service and thought it was like the most beautiful thing ever yeah so that's what mostly i'm into now so I know I like the, the just like innocence and sweetness, you know, the romanticism of the studio Ghibli films. Yeah. <laughs> I you, almost said it wrong you again. Said Ghibli. I don't know because my middle name's Giselle. So I always try to like make everything with a G like that into a J sound. So, so do you call GIF GIF like dot dot No, I've, I've figured that one okay, out. Okay, good. So good. but I'm very quick to try to make everything a J. One of my favorites probably Spirited Away. Yeah. And um, Howl's Moving Castle and yep. Ponyo. I saw Ponyo in theaters. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. It, they did a limited showing at the Nickelodeon Theater in Portland. And I love that movie. Yeah, and so I, I went with one of my friends and watched it. And that's also when I learned that you could drift with a uh, drift on the highway. Or is it called drifting? I don't know. I think it's called drifting, where you have a standard and you pull up behind like a big rig and you turn your car off. Your car just, I guess, feeds off the force yeah. from the car behind it. He's like, I just learned how to drift, you want to see? And we drifted a good chunk of the way there. And then when he'd start to like slow down, he'd turn his car on again. That's awesome. It's like I get really good gas mileage out of that. So that's that's my memories of that of seeing Ponyo. Yeah. Actually, I actually remember the highway more than I remember Ponyo. I mean, obviously Ponyo was great, but I remember like the fish and shit. Well, but, we'll have yeah. to watch it because yeah. I do have it. It is very good. It is very good. Though just... my favorite will always be Kiki's Delivery Service. I have that because, too. Yeah, just because what it meant to me. But yeah, I remember being young. My dad showing me Speed Racer, and I didn't think it was like Japanese. Or like when Pokemon came on, I didn't understand that was Japanese. Or watching Dragon Ball Z, I didn't understand that was Japanese. It wasn't until middle school that I was like, oh, this is a, a special kind. This is, These are how they do cartoons in Japan. Yeah, that was gr- my kind of thing. Growing up, I watched this show called, I think it was like called The Legendary Cities of Gold or something to that nature. Uh-huh. And it used to be on with like the Saturday morning cartoons and I loved it. 
And it was about all these kids from like South America that were looking for the cities of gold and they flew in this giant gold condor spaceship. This sounds familiar. I think you asked me about that before and I looked it up and it was called something like slightly different, but I had like never heard of it before. Yeah, I used to watch that when I was like a little girl, like I was four or five years old. And then like it happened to be on Netflix. I don't know that's the exact name of it, but it's something cities of gold. Yeah, there, there's so much anime I want to go back and watch. Like when I got older, kids were more into Inuyasha, which is okay. But my problem is when you have an anime, that's a bunch of episodes long like Naruto is like I don't know a thousand episodes yeah. I don't know I just can't do it man like no. so all, all my friends who are Naruto nerds I just couldn't I couldn't do it but Cowboy Bebop was like 21 episodes and I could do that and that's still my favorite anime of all time and what's great about Cowboy Bebop is there's something for everyone in there it's consistently the only anime where people will say to me, I hate anime, and then I bring up Cowboy Bebop, and they're like, okay, that doesn't count, though. Like, that's the only one I can watch. Do you so, like Do you like Full Metal Alchemist? Again, too many episodes. I'd like to think I'd really like it. Uh, like, I, I heard the whole Deadly Sin story arc with, like, gluttony and uh, lust and all that stuff is, like, really cool. I saw clips from that, but... Again, so many goddamn episodes, man. Yeah, I only got like part way into it. Like I had a friend who had come over that had brought like a series of it, seasons, I guess you will, like one of the big like DVD sets. Yeah. We watched it for a little bit, but then they took it home with them. Yeah. But I really liked it. Yeah, there's just, there's a lot. Like, I want to go back and watch Paranoia Agent, and I, I, I never finished Trigun. I really ought to finish Trigun, because it gets really dark. There is also, I really have this thing for 80s Japanese music, city pop is what it's called, uh, mainstream J-pop from the era, and anime from that era, too, was actually had this type of animation about it that they don't do anymore that I find really nostalgic and just reminds me of childhood. So, again, Rama one half. I want to rewatch Kimiguri Orange Road. There was this on the sci-fi channel when I was younger around like 10 or 11 they had this anime matinee sort of shit like an anime movie every morning um, on Saturday for like a couple hours and it was really cool I always looked forward to it and then one weekend I flip it on and it's not on anymore instead there's this show called Mystery Science Theater 3000 I was so pissed I was so pissed I was like fuck this show for taking anime away from me I have no other option I don't have extended cable fuck this show and and I was like, look, they're just watching old movies. This is so dumb. It, it's unfortunate that that had to happen that way because Mystery Science Theater 3000 is really fucking good. And I rediscovered it later in my life. So thankfully, but it didn't turn me away for good. But I just wish I was introduced to that in a different way, not through taking away everything I knew and loved. Yeah. And then there was those strange fairy tales that used to be on Nickelodeon back in the early 90s that were, in fact, anime. Yeah, so that didn't really like tie into the the main themes of the fairy tales, but I loved them. And yeah, so I don't, I didn't see that. At least I don't think I did. But I do remember there was this being very young and turning on Nickelodeon back when I was at my grandparents because they had cable and seeing these very weirdly animated things that I was fascinated by, but I don't remember the names or anything like that. And one of my favorite movies as a kid was about serendipity, the pink dinosaur. Oh, yeah? Yes. Is that an anime? It was an anime. Oh, okay. I used to watch the shit out of it, but those weird... I won't go too much into the weird fairy tales because it kind of ties into something that I talk about in the upcoming Ed Kemper episode of how I noticed I had some strange kinks as a child. Oh, my. But these... Oh, my. Yeah, there were, like, some themes in... I don't know if it was Cinderella or a version of Snow White or what it was, but there was 
this witch trying to kill the princess with these enchanted bodice laces that would strangle her. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. So Yergi's saying that she likes to get snuffed. Yeah, I guess so. Get get in line. Get in line, folks. Oh, Lord. You, you can snuff your own Yergi, especially if you subscribe to our Patreon. Is that the... You, cho- you choose the $500 snuff Yergi tier. I hope you're getting more than that <laughs> for my snuffing. <laughs> And you get to meet up with Yergi and just just beat the shit out of her. <laughs> we'll make that the seven hundred and fifty dollar tier. Oh, it's gonna be seven fifty. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah. Lord. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just think cartoons are like everybody has this type of connection to cartoons, and I feel like there's a stigma of being American and watching anime. But yet there are so many people who are obsessed with Disney. And I would almost argue that Disney's kind of worse considering that Disney is a is, is an awful corporation for a number of reasons. While Disney was a raging anti-Semite, there was a whole lot of racist shit early on. And I understand times have changed, but I just don't know how everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's cool to like Disney. You're not a nerd for liking Disney or you're not immature for liking Disney. But anime, it's like, oh, you're a piece of shit. I definitely love Disney, but I understand where things are problematic people can go overboard with it well also what's problematic is that there are people who literally base their lives and think disney is real they think this happily ever after like fairy tale bullshit that's how relationships are supposed to be and people are hearing this probably be like of course that's not how it's supposed to be it's fiction oh yeah how many people have you dated in high school or afterwards or even in your adult years that think that shit because it's it's a lot of fucking people Drewby, what I'm gonna have my happily ever after. So fuck you. Listen, <laughs> these 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 girls that do nothing but listen to Disney soundtracks and obsess over Disney, they're the incels of women. God. They are 100% the incels of women. I mean, just think about it. Think about it. We got incels, and I don't necessarily mean incel the hate group, but involuntary celibate, the, the original definition. You got those dudes that are really into nerd shit, which is cool. I'm into nerd shit too. But they just grow out a neck beard and they're forever alone and they just never have any interest in dating or whatever, or make themselves presentable for, for such. But then, then you got these girls... That are really into fucking Disney and they're in this fantasy world the entire fucking time. It's like worse than Harry Potter fanatics. They just scare everyone off or they just believe that their Prince Charming's going to come swoop them off their feet eventually. Someday but my guess Prince what? will come. But guess what? <laughs> they ain't coming. They ain't coming because you're obsessed with fucking Disney. Oh my lord. I hope Walt fucking Disney like rotting ashes. I, ho- I hope he's in hell getting like his head beat in Drew- every day. Drewby, I kind of look like Snow White. You look. What do you mean? You look like Snow White. I kind of do. Snow White. Snow White's like half Asian. She's not. I mean, I don't know. I always thought she looked that way. I always thought she was a person of color when I was younger. Really? Like, yeah. When I was when I was younger, I thought she was like because okay. So uh, I'm not I'm not trying to be racist. Just when I was younger, and I'm sure a lot of people thought this too. You you think like the only Asian people are Chinese. So you just call like you see an Asian person like oh look a Chinese person. I thought Snow White was Chinese. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just. That's what she was. <laughs> what? How, do, how the fuck do you think you look like Snow White? I don't know. I think you just want to be Snow White, you fucking incel. <laughs> <laughs> no, if I'm going to be any it's, Disney princess, it's probably Ariel. Snow White is not that goth. Ariel is not that goth. So what am I? Ursula. <laughs> Ursula? No, Maleficent? No. Yeah, Maleficent. I was going to say Maleficent. The Maleficent's kind of weird. I don't know. Where's the fucking goth? 
Disney princess. I don't think we have one. Well, I guess you got to make one. It's Susie Sue. She got rejected. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's really all we have about this. Is there any other housekeeping stuff we want to talk about? Uh, really Patreon stuff? Yeah, or? I know that there's going to be a an additional episode to Patreon soon having to do with our upcoming episode about Ed Kemper. Yeah, I'm very excited. And we're going to actually have our first guest ever. So that is going to be amazing. Yes, that's a secret. That's, that's a secret. secret. I'm until not it telling gets, who it is. Yes, until it gets, but it will happen. So, yes, I am looking forward to that. Like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. Leave us a five-star review and a written review on Apple Podcasts. I will shout you out. And yeah, yeah. until next time. Next time. All right. Bye. Bye.